Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that even when we are not faithful, you are. What a song, Lord. What, what lyrics those are. What truth there is that uh, even when we lack in our faith, you continue to be faithful to us. Lord, I just pray that you will be with us today. I thank you that we're able to gather together today in a place that is safe to worship you in song, to hear your word read, to hear your word preached. Lord God, be with me. Let my words be your words. And Lord, just thank you for everyone that is here. Let everyone here know that for not one moment, you weren't meant to be here today. Lord God, be with us. I ask it in your son's holy name. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. Not a good sign for me. I'm starting out emotional already, so it's going to be an interesting time. Um, just in way of uh, introduction, really quick. Um, well, first of all, let me say Welcome. Um, welcome to uh, all of you that are Mercy Hill family, whether you call the west side here home or you call the east side home, or uh, welcome, and it's always good to see your faces. And then those of you that are guests that don't always come, um, it's nice to see you also. It's nice that you've come and joined us today. Um, with that being said, uh, my name is Brad Furkowski. I am one of the pastoral interns um, here at Mercy Hill. And I um, get the honor and the blessing to bring the word of God uh, to you today. Um, if you have been attending some of our services or if you've been following along with some of the podcasts that get posted on our website, uh, you'll know that we've been working through the book of Romans. Um, so we left off last week. We left off uh, in chapter 5. Um, we left off in chapter 11. So today, or I mean, I'm sorry, verse 11 in chapter 5. So we're going to pick up. In chapter 5, verse 12, um, so if you have your Bibles with you or if you use your electronic devices, however you use, whatever you use, if you want to feel free to turn there with me now, again, that's Romans 5, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Let's pray once more. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you allow us to draw near to you in this way, that uh, you allow us to get to know you. And Lord, I just ask that uh, our eyes will be opened, our ears will hear uh, what it is that it is that you want us to gain from your word today. And again, I just ask in your son's holy name, in Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, so the way I'm going to start today is I'm actually going to tell you guys a story um, to begin the sermon. I'm actually going to intentionally leave out some of the details um, and at the end of the sermon, 
I'll come back full circle and bring you back to the story. Um, as, and I think some of you may have known him. He used to be on the radio. His name was Paul Harvey. As he used to say, I will tell you the rest of the story. And now for the rest of the story. So we'll get to that part at the end. Kids, if you don't know who Paul Harvey is, ask your parents or Google it when you, when you, when you leave here today. So my story is about an uncle of mine. And he led a very complex life. I'm sorry. I already said that was going to happen. All right. So part of this complexity was a battle with substance abuse. Um, as far as what types of substance abuse he battled with, I'm not completely clear. I know of certain ones. Um, of that, I'm not going to share. But I just know that it was a struggle for him throughout his life. And it had a significant impact, not only on his life, but on the life of others. Um, it, had the li- it had a negative impact on all of those around him. Whether it was the women in his life, whether it was his children, whether it was his siblings, which would have been my aunts, my uncles, my mom. or even the impact it had on the relationship between him and his parents, which would have been my grandparents. I think he would have been the first to admit he made some poor decisions in his life. Could you grab my water for me? I'm sorry. Um, thank you. I think he'd be the first to admit he made some poor decisions in his life. And he reaped the consequences of those decisions. And I think um, from our human perspective, we may say that some of those consequences uh, may have been deserved. I think it would be safe to say that um, because of this lifestyle that he led and because of some of the decisions he made um, within that lifestyle and even outside of that lifestyle when he kind of left the drugs a little bit, um, he became the black sheep of the family. I believe my mom's one of eight. I, I should know that right off the top of my head, right? But um, and he's somewhere there in the middle, and um, he definitely became the black sheep among them. Um, they, they distanced themselves from him. He distanced himself from them at times. Um, it was a strained relationship amongst him in the family, and it reverberated throughout our entire family. It wasn't just amongst my aunts and my uncles. It, it reverberated beyond with my cousins and myself. And as my mom would say, some of our family could never look beyond his past. And on January 29th of this year, My uncle died. I'm sorry, guys. I think we often wonder why physical death happens. Why is it a part of life? No matter when the death of a loved one occurs, it never seems quite right 
or at the right time. Whether their death was, as we sometimes label it, expected or unexpected, it doesn't typically settle well with us. No matter how prepared we believe ourselves to be, physical, earthly death seems to be permanent and it seems to be defeating. Which brings us to our text today. Our text starts out, therefore. And when you get, when you see that term, therefore, I know some of the more popular pastors would say, we have to ask, what is it there for? Right? And so therefore is always referencing back to what was just previously discussed. So it kind of pushes us back a few steps to kind of remind us of what was just discussed or what was just said in the letter so that we can carry on and understand what is coming. So some of the things just to remind us what was we, we, we preached from 5 verses 6, chapter 5 verses 6 through 11 last week. Matt brought the word. And some of the things just to remind us that, that Paul told us about was that he told us that Christ died while, died while we were weak, while we were ungodly, while we were sinner, sinners, and even labeled us enemies of God. He told us that apart from Christ, we're set to face the wrath of God. That we are destined for the wrath of God. But why? Why? What's the primary reason that we are destined for the wrath of God? And ultimately, we were destined for eternal death and separation from him. Paul begins to answer that question when he says, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We begin to see an introduction here. It's, it's, it's interesting where Paul is taking us. He's taking us back to the beginning of time. He's taking us back to creation. He's taking us back to the first man who we all descend from. All of us are descendants of the first man, Adam. So we turn there and we see. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. It's, it's up to you. But if we turn to Genesis, we can recall this story. I'm going to start out. I'm going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but we're going to be in Genesis 2. Like I said, if you want to turn there, you can. Verse 7 through 9. And then I'm going to kind of move from there. So we're told, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge and good of good and evil. I'm now going to bounce down to verse 15. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. If you'll move with me now to chapter 3. verses 17 through 24 in the book of Genesis. We now read of what Paul is referring to. We start to see what Paul was referencing when he says, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And here it is. After the fall. I think we remember the story well, right? Eve is deceived. Satan comes in the form of a serpent. And he asks Eve, is it true that God said you cannot eat of the fruit of the garden? And Eve said, well, no. He said we could not eat of the fruit of the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see how he manipulated her into getting her focus upon it, right? She looks upon it. She sees that it is appealing to the eye that the fruit is good. And so she takes of it. And she eats. And Adam comes along and she gets Adam to eat as well. And Adam fails. Adam fails in his position to obey God. And so we see the curse come. And this is where we pick up in chapter 3. I skipped a little bit. I'm going directly to Adam for a reason. And the, the main reason is that is the focus of our text today. But it says, this is God speaking to Adam. He says, and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. We see Adam here ushering in the curse, right? We read of what the curse is. It's a separation from God. He, he cast him out of the garden. His fellowship with God has been affected. God tells him, for you are of dust, and to dust you shall return. Physical death, spiritual death, separation, condemnation from God. So once again, we read in our text, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, 
and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Many of you will probably see that there is a dash, most likely, in your text after that, right? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through the sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. The reason there's that dash is Paul is about to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent. A tangent. He's about to explain because as he, he, he's about to move on to a new idea. And actually that new idea, or another idea, and that idea actually doesn't pick up until about verse 18. But he's like, I need, to clear, I, I need to make it clear and clarify what I mean by this. I don't want there to be any misunderstanding of what I'm saying. This is Paul. What I'm saying when I say that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and death spread to all men because all sinned. Now I think we would be prone to accept the fact that all sin. I think most of us sitting here today, we, we somewhat understand the concept of sin and we also would admit to guilt of sinning. And so when you, when you read that, because all sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, we, we, so I think our minds would probably immediately kind of move towards, oh yeah, we, we do, individually. But that is not what Paul is referencing here. He's still referencing that one man, Adam. that the sin of Adam caused all of us to sin. There's a doctrine. <laughs> I try to, with, doctrine, with doctrines and theological terms, I'm not big fans of, because I try, I, 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 want, I don't want to be speaking that from an academic level, if that makes any sense. But there's a doctrine called imputed sin. And what imputed means is that it's counted, accounted to us. It, it, it means that, that we weren't necessarily involved in that specific incident or that specific event, but it's counted to us. It, it is accounted to us. We are still held responsible or seen as responsible. And so when it says because all sinned, we all sinned in Adam, there's, there's these huge debates on how that works, right? We're all descendants of Adam. All of us. And when I say all of us, I don't mean all of us just in this room. I mean all of us across the globe. I mean all of us that have ever existed from day one till Christ returns. Every single person that opened the womb of their mother has been a descendant of Adam. And even those that didn't. So we carry with us that sin. And we carry with us the penalty of that sin. And what is the penalty of the sin? Death. He goes on, verse 13, he says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, which can sound confusing. I'll come back to it. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of <clears throat> the one who was to come. Again, his, his purpose, were, were, were people still sin? It, I mean, it just says, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, which tells us that they were sinning, right? 
So you would think that verse uh, 11, or I'm sorry, verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, would contradict that. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that even outside of the law, even outside of the actual physical tablets coming down where we can see it, we still are prone to sin against God. Why? Because we are in Adam. And so death reigned. Death reigns. Why does death reign? Because of Adam. Because of the fall. So imputation. It's accounted to us. The fall is accounted to us. We are Adam's descendants, every single one of us. And to support this, I'm actually going to use scripture. So if you, I'm going to kind of bounce around a little bit. I'm going to my intent is to avoid, part of my intent is to avoid stepping on the toes of my two brothers that will be preaching in the next two weeks because a lot of this text all ties together. And so I'm going to just kind of touch on them just to show them as proof text to back up what I'm telling you so that if you're wondering, like, how is this possible? And I think it's even going to be somewhat natural for us to not understand and want to block this thought process of us of us carrying on the guilt of Adam. But, I, you know, one of the thoughts I had as I was thinking about this, for some reason, and I'm not good with world history, so if I get the countries wrong and all that kind of stuff, forgive me. But I thought to myself, I'm like, when, we, when, when the question is asked, who, bur- who bombed Pearl Harbor? What's the answer? Japan. Did every single individual that lived in Japan make the decision to come and bomb Pearl Harbor? Or were they involved? But it's, it's imputed on them, isn't it? The entire country. Our response, the United States, we go in, we drop the atomic bomb. Who do you think the Japanese say drop the atomic bomb on their country? The United States of America. It's a subpar uh, example, but it was the closest I could get within my own mind. The guilt of those events is still upon us as far as Adam's fall. So anyways, to go back to the text, if we look at verse 15, it says, many died through one man's trespass. It's Adam. Verse 16 says, the result of that one man's sin, Adam, the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, death. Verse 17, because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through that one man. Verse 18, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. Adam's trespass. Verse 19, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And even in 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but chapter 15, verses 21 through 22 For as by a man came death, Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. When I was studying this week, I I was listening to some different sermons, and I was reading some different commentaries, and um, 
I was listening to one of John Piper's sermons, and he actually, uh, <laughs> John spent, I think, three sermons on this portion of text. And I was like, that's a lot, a lot of preaching on three verses. But it was beautiful. And one of the things he gave was a definition or a, an explanation of what this is. And he said, the judicial consequences of Adam's sin are experienced by all of those who are in him. Which again, is everyone. Everyone in the world. He said, not on the basis of the individual sins that they perform, but on the basis of their corporate identity with Adam and his sin being imputed to them and his condemnation being theirs as well, being ours. I'll repeat it. If just the judicial consequences of Adam's sin are experienced by all of those who are in him, which is all of us, not on the basis of our individual sins that we perform, but on the basis of our corporate identity with Adam and his sin being imputed to us and his condemnation being ours as well. The ideas being expressed in our text and what we'll be discussing in the next couple of weeks, like I said, um, there was another quote in one of the commentaries I was reading, um, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, who I believe has passed on to be with the Lord, but he, he quoted actually an, another individual named Donald Gray Barnhouse. And uh, again, I thought it was applicable, and I, and I read it, and it hit me, and I was like, I just I feel like I have to share this. And he said, apart from the story of his fall, it is remarkable how little is written in the Bible concerning Adam. He was created by God. He was commanded to take dominion over creation. He fell. For him, the first blood sacrifice was made. He had several children, the first of whom was a murderer, the second a type of those who believed, who believe and follow Christ, and the third, the progenitor of the race and fulfillment of the promise of God. There is also recorded Adam's age at death, an extremely meager biography. But two stupendous facts make Adam one of the most famous names in history. He was the first man, and he was the first sinner. He dissipated his children's heritage, and we have all been in spiritual poverty ever since. But as we peer at him through the shadows of time, we do not judge him too harshly. For we know that he did exactly what we would have done in his place. And indeed, we can look rather kindly upon Adam, because through him we learn the principle of the one standing for the many. At the cross of Jesus Christ, we see that other, we see that other one also standing for the many. As Adam stood for many and brought death upon all, so our Lord Jesus stood for many and brings life to all who believe. Without question, every one of us is in Adam. Can you look away to Calvary and know that you are in Christ? Having been defiled by the stream that flows from Adam, you can find cleansing only by plunging into the stream that flows from the Lord Jesus Christ dying for us as head of the new race. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. We all come into this world in Adam. We're all going to leave this world 
either continuing to be in him or to be in Christ. Which leads us to the end of our section of text. The end of verse 14. It says that Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. As you can see, this this portion of text is going to introduce this comparison and contrast between Adam and Christ. I alluded to that a little bit from the quote that I just had there. I'm not going to dive into it a whole lot because that is going to be the theme and and, and kind of where we go within the next two weeks. But I just, I, I want you to see that Paul's continuing to emphasize that there, that condemnation came through one man. And that our salvation can only come through one man. Again, I, going back to Piper, you know, I, I gave you that definition and it's interesting because he kind of, he loops back, so he was talking about the judicial consequence, but previously we talked about the judicial consequence of Adam's sin, right? So he starts this definition in a very similar way, similar wording. The judicial consequences of Christ's righteousness are experienced by all of his people. Not on the basis of their individual acts of righteousness, but on the basis of their union with Christ corporately so that his righteousness counts for their righteousness and they live and have acceptance with God Almighty in him. I'll repeat that one again. The judicial consequences of Christ's righteousness are experienced by all of his people, us. You've come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. The judicial consequences of his righteousness we experience. Not because of our individual acts of righteousness, but on the basis of our union with Christ. So that his righteousness counts for us. And then we live and have acceptance with God Almighty in him. That concept of Imputation that I spoke of earlier, the concept of the sin of Adam being counted toward us, and the concept of the consequences of that sin being counted toward us. It is a theme throughout Scripture. It does not stop here. I stop here because this is where my text ends. But there are three imputations that we learn of. This is one of them. The imputation of Adam's sin and the consequences thereof of death upon us as children of Adam. But we'll see another imputation. And that's the imputation of our sin on our Lord and Savior. Who was perfect. Lived a perfect life. Sinless life. Took that all on. Our sin was imputed to him at the cross. Our Lord, crucified, innocent, dying for the sins that he did not commit. And as a result, the righteousness, his righteousness, 
that we cannot earn is imputed to us. Count it towards us. I think I'd much rather have Christ's righteousness in my account than <laughs> the guilt and condemnation of Adam. I know I've been given a lot of quotes today. I got another one. I don't mean to wear you too out with, too, wear you out with them, but uh, that same Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, again, he quoted another individual. This person, I believe, is Horatius Bonner, is how you pronounce his name. But this is a great quote, and again, I didn't feel like I couldn't share it, so I need to. It said, the first Adam dies, and we die in him. But the second Adam dies, and we live in him. The first Adam's grave procla proclaims only death. The second Adam's grave announces life. I am the resurrection and the life. We look into the grave of the one, and we see only darkness, corruption, and death. We look into the grave of the other and we find there are only light, we find there only light in corruption in life. We look into the grave of the one and find that he is still there, his dust still mingling with its fellow dust about it. We look into the grave of the other and find that he is not there, he is risen. Risen as our forerunner into the heavenly paradise the home of the risen and redeemed. We look into the grave of the first Adam and see in him the first fruits of them that have died, the millions that have gone down to the prison house whose gates he opened. We look into the tomb of the second Adam and we see in him the first fruits of that bright multitude, that glorified band who are to come forth from that cell, triumphing over death and rising to the immortal life. Not through the tree which grew in the earthly paradise, but through him whom the tree prefigured, through him who was dead and is alive, and who liveth forevermore, and who has the keys of hell and death. We either live and die in Adam, or we live forever in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now for the rest of the story. So when I first started giving the sermon today, I was telling you about my uncle who led an interesting life. And at some point in time, I don't know when it was because my uncle and I lost touch for a while. He's a, he was born again. And he's in Christ. And so when I was born again, <laughs> new life in Christ, I'll never forget it. It was, it was a Thanksgiving. I didn't, know, I didn't know much about this with him. And he came to, to dinner and we interacted and he had such joy for me. Because his nephew knew his Lord and Savior. His nephew was in Christ. And from that point on, every time I saw my uncle, there was probably three or four more occasions after that, he, our conversations never rotated around anything other than Christ. He would ask how I was doing. He would ask how my walk was, what ministries I was getting involved in. 
And he was so proud of the ministry he was involved in. One in which he was a counselor for those struggling with addiction. I didn't make it to his funeral, but my mom was telling me about it. And she said the number of people that walked up and said that my Uncle Chuck was involved in saving their lives because of him bringing Christ, the light of the world, into that darkness of that drug addiction. My Uncle Chuck led a complicated life. And he was in darkness, and he was in Adam. He was, he was there. But at some point in time, unknown to me, he became one with Christ. And from that point on, and even now, as he lives in paradise with our Lord, he is in Christ. Again, I said it once before, I'll say it again. We either live and die in Adam, or we live forever in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, it's an interesting thing when you look back at creation and the interaction that happened there, and being cut off from the tree of life, right? That was part of it. Tree of life. God specifically said, I don't want them to eat of that because then they would live forever, right? And so the tree of life <laughs> continues to exist. In fact, those of you who are familiar with your scriptures, I know that you, you know that in the book of Revelation, it is revealed where that tree is and, and that those of us that live in Christ, we will eat of that tree. I think it's a unique... Uh, parallel, or you could use it as a, as a um, I think what that word is. What's the word when you use something as an example of something, but it's not it? What? Metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> or it could also obviously be used as a metaphor, right? Because upon that tree where our Lord gave his life, it was the tree of life for all of us. And when we're on that side of eternity with our Lord, we will eat that fruit and we will live eternally with him. With that, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for today. I thank you for <laughs> your grace your mercy that you save us that we have relatives like my uncle Chuck that we have friends that we can look towards and know that they are in you that they live with you now and to know that we can be with you in you now and forever Lord, I just ask again, as I said in the, in the opening prayer, Lord, there's, 
Every single one of us is in this room intentionally. You brought all of us here today. And and ultimately, we need to be moved daily, minute by minute, second by second, to be in you. Lord, I just pray that we find comfort in you, that we find peace in you, that we see you for the goodness that you are and that we will just push in. And anyone that's out will just run, run to you. His arms are open. His arms are open wide. Don't let you being an Adam and the sin of this world keep you from him. Run. Run to him. He will embrace you. Lord God, again, I just thank you for everyone here. I ask that they will draw near to you. And as you have promised, that you will draw near to them. Lord, I just ask it in your son's holy name. In Jesus Christ's holy name, I pray. Amen.